The Sweet Six teams are locked. Now it's just a matter of who plays who. A lot of storylines going on, including some question marks out of Buffalo, the Masterson Trophy, and Patrick Laine in it for the long haul. Yeah, all that and more coming up. Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Ah, welcome in. Weather's starting to get nice outside. At least in London, Ontario, Canada. Hopefully it is for you too. Uh, we go by Celsius, so temperatures starting to go up to 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 degrees, which is um, very significant uh, considering the fact that overnight this past night we were in the minuses. There was a frost warning, so nice to see that the warmer weather is slowly making its way back into the fold here as we get ready for another edition here of the podcast. Make sure to stream along on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It has been a whirlwind of the last little bit, so if you follow along on YouTube, I am sorry. I have not been uploading episodes. I'm going to try to find time. I'm going to try and make it a goal every day to upload like five, like sit down, have Netflix on downstairs and for about half an hour every day, upload five episodes a day until I am officially caught up. Cause what are we in the seventies now? 72, 71, 72. Nevertheless, just wild. Um, Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow along there at ST hockey podcast, um, Got to continuously come out with articles for the hockey writers. Vancouver Canucks season is done. What do they have to look forward to? Some of maybe maybe some of the things that you know were, were wins and takeaways from this year, and things that were disappointments. Um, lots happening on the show today. Uh, playoff matchups set and ready to go. Basically now a matter of who plays who, though some of those have actually been linked in. Uh, the Masterson Trophy, a little bit of drama there, but. Essentially, it's 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 all formality. We know who's going to win it. And I'll explain why in just a little bit. Uh, some big news involving Patrick Laine and the Columbus Blue Jackets because another story happened a little bit earlier on, and now Patrick Laine is going to stay in, oh boy, Buffalo and Jack Eichel. That's where we'll start, actually. It is what I've noticed with the Jack Eichel signing right he was made captain he signed like an eight-year deal 80 million dollars makes 10 million dollars a year it's a great deal uh unfortunately this year dealing with injuries and he just really hasn't he hasn't been there he hasn't been able to impact the team even when he was there the team wasn't necessarily winning they were in a gauntlet of a division it just it wasn't going to go well for them even if they had high expectations they brought in taylor hall they traded for eric stall their defensive their names were getting another year under their belts they were comfortable with their goaltending i said that was going to be the the epitome of their demise was that they did not address adding more defensemen or the goaltending. Both had plenty of options in the offseason. They didn't do it. They got more scoring. They were expecting Jeff Skinner to bounce back. That didn't happen. And just a tumultuous season for the Buffalo Sabres. And it just looks like it's getting worse and worse, especially with the Jack Eichel thing. You remember last offseason with Jack Eichel, right? There were rumors about him possibly being traded, right? Because it was another disappointing year for them. Not this year, the the years prior and rumors about teams inquiring about Jack Eichel and a rumor came out that Buffalo was taking calls, which is like the most obvious broad thing. Like when someone when calls you on the phone, you pick it up and you answer go, hello, who's this? Hey, it's the Arizona coyotes. We're calling you about Jack Eichel. Hang up. 
you technically still took the phone call. Doesn't mean you listened, right? A lot of rumors going on in, let's just say, the NFL, for example, the big story in football, right? The Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. All of a sudden, right, all those rumors were like, well, no one leaked it, actually. We just kind of decided to drop it on media day. But what was one of the rumors? That Green Bay was, quote-unquote, taking phone calls from San Francisco on Aaron Rodgers. No, what happened was San Francisco called Green Bay. The general manager picked up and said, hello. The guy said, yeah, this is John Lynch, general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. What's the interest level in, in Aaron Rodgers? And he hangs up the phone. He didn't take the call. Your phone rings, you answer it, unless it's a number you don't recognize. So he saw it and went, mm, what does John Lynch want? Answers the phone. Hey, I want to know about Aaron Rodgers. Same thing in the NHL. General manager of Buffalo Sabres picks up the phone, goes, hello, who's this? Hey, it's so-and-so from the Nashville Predators. You got interest in moving Jack Eichel. Click. You're not taking the phone call. Anyways, that was a long ramble there. Jack Eichel has spoken out for the first time in months. First time since March. And he... uh he wasn't thrilled. He really, he didn't hold back. I got a couple quotes here from Jack Eichel speaking to the media yesterday. So, quote, for sure, I would have, uh, I would say I've been a bit upset about the way things have been handled since I've been hurt. I'd be lying if I said things have moved smoothly since my injury. There's a bit of a disconnect between the organization and myself. It's been tough at times, but right now for me, the most important thing is just trying to get healthy and figuring out a way to be available to play hockey next year, wherever that might be. That's a big little tidbit you throw in there at the end of that, uh, at the end of that quote. So if you remember Jack Eichel, he broke uh, the tip of his rib during a couple uh, during a drill a few weeks back before training camp, and then he played through lingering uh, abdominal injury last season. He's only 24. Uh, he hasn't ruled out going on uh, undergoing some sort of surgery on his herniated disc in his neck that shut him down this year. Um, so he's just, he's a lot of bad luck. He's a spectacular player, just hasn't hasn't been able to get healthy. But also he came out acknowledged. Jack also said that he's not using the injuries as excuses for his diminished production. So I just got to be better. I've got to be a better hockey player. So remember, he's under contract for the to the 2025-2026 season at a $10 million cap hit, intends to mull over his future in the summer. I've got a lot of thinking to do this offseason, he said, according to the Buffalo News, Buffalo News from Mike Harrington. He said, I think there's a lot I have to consider. For now, obviously, I'm here. I'm the captain of this hockey team. My goal is to be available to try and help this organization win hockey games. But that tidbit of get ready to be a hockey player wherever that might be. Remember those four words. Wherever that might be. You thought the rumors were bad last year about Jack Eichel? This is, the, this is the same thing we're hearing in the NFL with football. Aaron Rodgers and the general manager have had a disconnect. Communication's been off. So rumors start swirling. But this one, Jack actually came out and said it himself. Right in the NFL, right, no, no party has said anything. The GM has just said that they want, they want the, the Packers quarterback to be there. 
but the the player himself hasn't said anything. This was Jack Eichel talking to the media yesterday. Find out a way to be available to play to be a better uh, to be a better hockey player and to play hockey next year, wherever that might be. There are a lot of teams who will mortgage the future to get an already bona fide star coming off injury at just 24 years of age under contract for the next six years. Five years? Five years. Remember those rumors about Austin Matthews right, being available and he might leave Toronto and Toronto's just embraced him and he's like he's recruited people. He's like, I love it here. He collaborates with Justin Bieber. His good buddy Mitch Marner's here. They're on a successful hockey team. Right? Winning, winning, winning gets rid of all that. What if, if Buffalo was miserable to Jack Eichel? Let's just say Jack Eichel, he's an, he's an American-born player, so Buffalo is American city. It just it works out. But let's just say he was Canadian, right? He was diehard wanted to play in a Canadian city. Sidney Crosby, for example. Sidney Crosby gets drafted to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Canadian boy, he was captain of Team Canada, 2010. Let's just say Pittsburgh. They drafted him. They, they were awful their first year, but they got better and better and better and better. They're perennial contenders every year for the Stanley Cup. But if Pittsburgh sucked, right, if they were garbage, if they were not a good team, and it had been like four or five years since Sid got drafted, Flurry didn't pan out, they never got Malkin, Latang for some reason, didn't, didn't happen the way it did. And Sid's there like, man, we have literally never been to the playoffs. Canadian boy from Cole Harbor. He's like, I want to go to a Canadian team. You don't think those rumors would have happened? But Pittsburgh kept winning. And Pittsburgh won a cup. And Sidney Crosby became the youngest captain ever to win a Stanley Cup. And they kept winning. And he signed his contract. It was never about money. Right? Sid's happy. Sid makes $8.7 million a year forever. But he's happy. Why? Because they're winning. Winning covers up all the issues. Let's just say, for example, right, even though Eichel was hurt, Buffalo was winning, right? Eichel wouldn't be sitting here being like, man, I got to focus on on next year. He'd be doing what Stamkos did last year. He'd be trying to get healthy to help his team in the postseason. Steven Stamkos, right? A couple years ago, before the Tavares free agency, Stamkos was going to be a free agent, right? But Tampa was successful. They were going on deep playoff runs. They were winning. They built a great organization. It's warm there. There's no tax there. So Stamkos signs a pretty nice deal, and he gets to keep all his money. John Tavares situation. Now, the New York Islanders are successful now. But do you remember... New York when John Tavares was there. He got them past the first round once. And it was against the Florida Panthers team that basically rode the backs of Roberto Luongo. Now, they've had a heck of a year this year. They're going to be a tough out for Tampa. But when Tavares was in New York, they passed the they passed the first round one time. Every other time they got bounced. Right, it was Tavares versus the world. He was making use of, of whoever was on his line. He made Anders Lee and, like, Brock Nelson. And those are still great players. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Tavares had that Crosby, that Crosby 
attitude, that that effect on the lineup, or he could make anybody on that team better. Chris Kunitz was a was an Olympian because of Sidney Crosby. Tavares made those guys better, but they weren't they weren't highly successful. They're making the playoffs, but they weren't winning. So Tavares leaves, goes to Toronto. Now they haven't won anything in Toronto, but it's where he's from. He's Canadian. He's captain of his boyhood team. And now they have other stars there with Matthews and Martyr, and they're winning games. Winning solves everything. Chicago, Jonathan Taves. You think if if Chicago never got Patrick Kane and Taves was their captain, right? And he was healthy for those first four or five years, and and they weren't winning. Winning solves all the problems. Solves all the problems. The only thing that winning doesn't solve is is cap issues. Because at that point, you're like, listen, we love you, but we got to let you go. We can't afford you. Chicago also did that. But then Chicago kept winning. If Buffalo was winning, none of this would be a story. None of it. Even some of the players on the roster, Rasmus Ristolainen, he's like, I'm going to the playoffs next year. He's been in Buffalo for how long? He's like, I would, I just want to play in the postseason. And he can't do that. I get it. We talked about this with Taylor Hall. Now, by the way, Taylor Hall scored two goals last night. He fits great in Boston. Why? Because he's not the guy. But even he came out and was like, this is, this is the best hockey I've ever played in my life. I'm having the most fun ever. Why? Because he's winning. He's having fun. He's relaxed. He's not the guy. Ergo, he's scoring goals. Even if he wasn't the guy. But if the team was good around him, you were winning games, mulls everything over. Doesn't matter. if d- Disconnect between you and the general manager, we're winning. Doesn't matter. Figure it out. Winning solves everything. Now, he was having a questionable year. He only played in 21 games. He had two goals and 16 assists. His underlying numbers were uh, were not spectacular either. But I'm very curious. If you thought the rumors were bad last year on Jack Eichel, I am incredibly, incredibly curious to see what happens this offseason involving him. I am. Really am. Uh, okay. So let's talk playoffs postseason NHL so Stanley Cup playoffs uh every team is set all the teams in the uh in each division have locked themselves into a postseason spot uh, a couple of teams are actually know who they're going to be playing against in terms of matchups some teams are waiting to be determined for example in the north division we know Toronto's number one for the most part I believe the Edmonton Oilers are locked in at number two but three and four right now we're kind of up in the air Montreal got a point last night Winnipeg's lost nine of ten they don't know who's going to finish where. So Winnipeg's got two games left at 59 points. Montreal's one game left at 58 points. If Winnipeg keeps losing, Montreal wins. They leapfrog each other. Winnipeg plays Toronto, and then Edmonton plays Montreal. Um, over the, in the Central Division, those playoff matchups are locked. Every team's played 56 games. Carolina plays Nashville. Florida plays Tampa. Right? In the East Division, locked. Pittsburgh gets New York. Washington gets Boston. Both of those series are going to be remarkable. Right? Still a couple games left, so we're not 100% sure, but right now as it is in the West, 
Uh, Vegas will, will, is sitting in first. They've got one game in hand. Colorado's in second. They've got a game, or two games left, and they're two points behind. Minnesota looks locked in at the uh, third spot, though anything can happen. And then St. Louis is locked in at the fourth spot. So let's just start with the series that are locked right now. And we'll do actual like breakdowns on Friday right before the playoffs. But right now I've got Carolina versus Nashville. Say what you want. You know, good on Nashville to earn that playoff spot. They earned it. UC Soros, spectacular. Pecorino played. I think he got a shutout last night. But my only question, it's been this way all year, even though Carolina's only lost 12 games in regulation all year long. And again, they played last night. Carolina basically played their B team. Like they didn't play, didn't play any of their stars. My only question is, can Carolina overcome their goaltending situation? You know, Kyle, what are we talking about? They finished first in their they finished first in their conference. Well, they've lost three straight going into the postseason, and they've got Peter Morazic, who's only started 12 games. Alex Nedlovich, who was the rookie goaltender who has come on. He's actually been pretty good this year as well. I believe he's 15-5 and five on the season. So he started, uh, he's actually played in 23 games. He started 23 of them. His numbers are spectacular as well. And you got James Reimer, who's, yeah, still kicking. He started 22 games, and his numbers are pretty good too. But this is this has been my is always my issue going into a postseason. Is when you have multiple goaltenders, you don't know who's the guy, and you and you you have to pick one. You have to pick the right one, but you got to run with them. You can't you can't switch them out and decide like uh, you know what you're going to start games one and two. Peter, you're going to start games three and four. James, if you want to get in there, it, that's not how it works. I don't think it's ever really run that way. Right, I can't remember the last time a team has won the Stanley Cup with a with a tandem. I mean, Pittsburgh kind of did it, but they had to by necessity because Mark Andre Fleury was hurt. Matt Murray came in when Fleury was back, he took over again. Right, and then they won a cup. Or Matt, like Mark Andre Fleury was yanked, Matt Murray went in, and then he just stole the rest of it. But you don't switch off on and off throughout the postseason, and both goaltenders are successful. So I still think Carolina wins at least against Nashville. But when they play either Florida or or Tampa, it's going to be a matter of which goaltender steals the spotlight. And then we're going to move on here to, so yeah, I think Carolina wins that one. Florida-Tampa, same thing. And I wonder if this is going to be a hot take or not. So Florida right now is ahead of them. They will, they're going to, they're going to host Tampa in the first two games. So my thing for Florida I wouldn't start Sergei Bobrovsky. You think I'm crazy. I would start Chris Drieger. So Chris Drieger coming back from injury. By the way, he shut out the lightning last night. So Drieger this season in 23 starts has a 2.07 goals against average and a 9.27 save percentage. So save percentage you want higher, goals against you want lower. Drieger, 2.07 goals against. Good. Save percentage, 9.27. Good. Sergei Bobrovsky this year, 31 games started. Goals against, 2.91. It's almost an extra goal against per game. Save percentage of .906. By the way, Bobrovsky is yet to have a shutout this year. Chris Drieger is three. I'm starting Drieger. 
26, six foot four, 205 pound, third round selection back in 2012, a little bit of a late bloomer. He's clearly been the better goaltender. He's the better goaltender. He's on the right side of 30. He's bigger. He's built. Server Bros, he's 32. That contract sucks. It, it does, and there's sometimes Sergey Bobrovsky signed a like an eight-year deal or seven-year deal in Florida uh, two years ago. Uh, he makes $10 million a year. He's barely been the guy there. Florida wins if they don't start Bobrovsky. That's my guess. However, you've got a Vesna candidate and the Vesna winner from last year, and Andre Vasilevsky, who turns it on in the postseason. 2.21 goals against, 925 save percentage, and 42 games started. He's got five shoutouts. Uh, the only big boost here that's going to be massive for Tampa Bay. Remember, they get Nikita Kucherov back. It's a big boost for them. I don't know uh, the circumstances to Steven Stamkos or when he's going to come back. I'm trying to look at the team right now. I'm trying to look at their uh, the roster. But right now, from what I've seen, Victor Hedman didn't play because of a lower body injury. It looks like he's going to play through the uh, the lower body injury. Uh, Ryan McDonough was out due to an upper body injury, though I think he'll be back. Barclay Goodrow was held out of the lineup. Nikita Kucherov, Patty Maroon should be coming back. Andre Pilat is hurt. Steven Stamkos is on LTIR. But Stamkos is hoping to be ready for game one of the postseason. So Stamkos hopefully back. Kucherov hopefully back. Big boost. Kucherov, though, when you don't play all year long and then you come back and you have to play playoff hockey. Now, he was one of the stars last year besides Brain Point. But it's tough, especially in the bubble, and these guys are going hard. That's going to be – I'm not going to predict a winner. I will I will say that Florida has the best chance of winning if they start Chris Drieger. If Florida doesn't start Drieger and they start Bobrovsky, Tampa's winning. Tampa Bay is going to win. If Tampa Bay gets these guys back and they can get their feet under them relatively quickly, Tampa, I think, has the inside edge despite Florida – being ahead in the standings, I think in a seven-game series, I think Tampa's going to find a way. Tampa wasn't trying last night. Tampa was, they're like, we don't care. Home ice doesn't matter to us. Florida, Tampa, that that, that couldn't matter less. Um, it's going to be a fun series. going to be a very fun series. Uh, all right, let's move over to the NHL East Division. I can try and go through this quickly because we're actually going to go through matchups on, uh, matchups on, on Friday. Right, Pittsburgh's going to play the Islanders. That's a bad matchup for Pittsburgh. We've seen it for the last two postseasons. Pittsburgh and New York do not match up together. However, Pittsburgh has learned how to play them. Pittsburgh has finally figured out how to play the Islanders. Now, the Islanders, though, do a pretty good job at playing shutdown hockey. But they have won games in the shootout against them. They've had a lot of really close matchups against the Islanders. They won four of the last five games against the Islanders to end the season. Though, earlier on, they had been shut out by them a couple of times. But I think the success this year, Pittsburgh has kind of figured it out. Crosby's figured it out. Malkin just came back. That's beautiful timing for the Penguins in the postseason. It's one of those things where you don't want to bet against Sidney Crosby, but at the same time, I've done it the last two years and it hasn't panned out. But maybe it's time to jump back on that bandwagon. But I think, yeah, 
I, I need some time to think about it. But I think that if if matchup wise, whoever it, whether the Islanders played Washington or, or Pittsburgh, it's not great matchups for both teams. Both teams are more offensive. They are higher caliber offensive teams. The Islanders will just shut you down and bore you to death. But because Pittsburgh has played them so often this year and twice in the last two postseasons, I think they figured it out. And I would go with Pittsburgh in this one. And then Washington-Boston. What a barn burner. Marchand, DeBrusque versus Tom Wilson. And it's going to be physical. Ovechkin's coming back. Boston, Taylor Hall is now jumping into the swing of things. Uh, what a what a series is going to be. Same thing. I don't know if I can pick a winner. This is an incredibly difficult series to pick a winner from. I'm going to go... No, I'm going to wait it out. I need to do some more diving before I make it. So each team still has a game left. They play each other. Um, it might be for home ice, but Washington right now has the... Uh, they've got the up in terms of wins on the season. So we'll uh, we'll see from that front, but... Nevertheless, and then finally, the NHL West. So those are the only two that really have matchups. We'll wait and see on the other two matchups right now. I guess what we can do, right, because the North Division and the West Division don't have their matchups. We can do we can do the other matchups today. Okay, so I'll actually go through the matchups here. So I'll go, I'll go back to, to Pittsburgh, New York. I kind of went through the other matchups with, with Carolina, Nashville, and Florida, Tampa. Like I said, Pittsburgh, I think because they played them so often, I think Pittsburgh has the upper edge on New York, but Barry Trotz has learned how to completely shut it down in the postseason. The Islanders have made it further and further in each of the last two playoffs. I know Sidney Crosby's lost the last two, but he's been on absolute fire. Pittsburgh is finding a way to win games with what's this thing with players leaving Toronto, going to other teams and thriving? Like apparently Cody Cece's been great in Pittsburgh this year. It's hilarious. He's been great in Pittsburgh this year. Latang's been relatively healthy. Tristan Jari's gonna be ready to go, though they're goaltending right now. They're trying to figure out whether their goaltending is gonna be okay. Uh Tristan Jari, he has a an upper body issue, but hopefully they're gonna have him back for the postseason. Um Casey DeSmith was also out with a lower body injury, so they were they were relying on Maxime Legacy. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He came in and shut out Buffalo, and then but Cody Cece has quietly had a good season. He's plus 18, 17 points in 53 games. He averages like 17, 18 minutes. Well, this is why, because Pittsburgh uses Cody Cece properly, but they are deep on defense. They've got this John Marino guy who's been great. Uh, Runewell has been good. Yannick Weber has been nice, but they're just the Ryan Latang Dumoulin. That's been it. But Jeff Carter, the acquisition of Jeff Carter for Pittsburgh has been massive. Carter has been really good for them. He's five goals in the last two games for them. What a pickup he's been. He's gone right into that lineup. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Pittsburgh. I'm gonna pick Pittsburgh to win. It's gonna be tight, but I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick Pittsburgh to win another six or seven games. This was fun. I remember when I started the podcast last year, we were right in the playoff time. So I think Pittsburgh goes out and wins it. Again, it's going to be a tight series, but that's uh, that's my mindset right there. Um, all right, let's move on to... I'll finish off here with the last one. I'll get back to the Boston, Boston series here versus the uh, Washington Capitals. So, my thing with 
with with Washington. Let's start with the Caps. My only issue with Washington, and this is going to be a theme. You're going to notice this. I don't know which goaltender they're going to go with. I honestly don't. On the one hand, you've got Ilya Samsonov, who was supposed to be your guy, who's now out again for COVID-19. He's only started 19 games, and his numbers aren't spectacular. He's only got a 2.69 goals against and a 9.02 save percentage. He's got a couple shutouts, can show that he wins games, but he hasn't played enough. And then Vitek Vanacek, who is this 25-year-old second-round pick from like seven years ago, he started 36 games, and for his credit, he's actually been pretty decent for first first year net minor, 2.74 goals against and a 907 save percentage. But they're going up against Tuka Rask in the Boston Bruins, who, as we all know, come playoff time, they are these defensive monsters, which is hilarious because the theme of this is going to be Zdeno Chara playing for Washington, going up against his former team, the Bruins. But it's like, even though Chara left the Bruins, that identity of the Big Bad Bruins is still there. Now, Tuka Rast this year hadn't played a whole lot of games, right? Because he's left for a little bit, but 24 games played. Great numbers. 2.28 goals against, 9.13 save percentage. Boston's great when he's in net. He's great. Dating back to April 15th, he won six games in a row and he's won seven of his last eight. One of them came against the Washington Capitals. You know, against Washington this year, overtime losses where he held them to a goal. Um, just trying to find other matchups where he plays Washington. Overtime loss again. So, even though he's losing, like, all these games are tight, and I think Tuka Rask is going to be the difference maker. Having said that, the biggest difference now is going to be, is Taylor Hall going to continue this into the postseason? He scored two more goals last night. Looks great. He's not the guy there. Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak can do their thing. Krejci and him on the on the second line. You know they have. Uh, they're a dangerous team. They're a dangerous team, and I love me the Washington Capitals. But to me, this year it's another year where it just it smells like Washington is in and out and bouncing the first round. As much as that sucks to say, I know they're getting Ovechkin back. There's rumors about Kuznetsov not being there. Um, but man, yeah, Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak on your top line. Krejci, Hall, Craig Smith on your second line. Sean Corrale with Wagner, Nick Ritchie, and then your fourth line of Andre Kasha, who, by the way, got hurt again. Jake DeBrusque and Curtis Lazar. McAvoy, who's a candidate to win the Norris. Matt Grizzlick, who's been spectacular. Brendan Carlo, Mike Riley is your second line, or second pairing. And then Clifton and uh, Jeremy Lawson. Like, they've been great. They've been great all year. And they've even split up the uh, the power plays. So it's Bergeron, Marchand, with uh, Pasternak, with Grizzlick and Richie. And then your second line is Hall, Craig Smith, DeBrus, Krejci, and McAvoy. So they've really evened it up. Um, I just got a weird sense. Boston's built for the postseason. And again, I think they take it in like six. Just sounds right to me. Boston winning 4-2, right? They take, they do the split in Washington. They come back home. They win both their games. They go up 3-1. Washington wins one more at home, and then Boston finishes it off in game six. 
It just makes, I, I don't know why, that just seems to fit for me, but anyways, that's, so those are the two, so I've kind of done little recaps and and matchups based on the, the, the teams that are already set. Come Friday, when all the other matchups are set, I'll do the North Division, and then I'll do the, uh, what's the other division here? I'll do the West. So, um... Golden Knights, Avalanche, Wild, and Blues are teams for lock that we don't know who the matchup is. And then Leafs, Oilers, Jets, and Canadians, depending on who the matchups are for those. So those those two divisions will come Friday, but today we kind of did the first half of it. All right, let's move on to the next story here because um, this one I think is really interesting. So news broke earlier. John Tortorella, him and the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, are going to be parting ways at the end of the season. After discussion and consideration with the future of the direction of the team, Blue Jackets GM Yarmo Kekalainen said that we have mutually agreed to part ways. I'd like to thank Columbus organization for the opportunity of the coach and live in the great Columbus area, Tortorella said. So after six seasons, Jack Adams award winner and nominee, a couple postseason runs, uh, Torts is out. Out and, and Columbus is going to start looking for a new head coach after the season. Well, this played into... This news from Patrick Laine. So Patrick Laine confirmed his desire to remain with Columbus despite the turbulent first season with the team. He only finished with 21 points in 45 games since arriving in Columbus from Winnipeg and never seemed comfortable under head coach John Tortorella. Now, he came out and said all the right things, Patrick Laine. And this is, by the way, this is a bit of both here. This is also understanding the circumstances that you're in with the coach not being there next year and also humbling yourself and growing as a person. Patrick Lyon said, it's not the system's fault. It's my fault. I don't think it matters who's behind the bench. I don't think that's a shot or anything. I think this is him. I still have to go out there and do what I do. And I couldn't do that this year, but I'll do it next year. I love it here. I want to stay here for sure. That's a bold statement coming from a guy who a lot of people are like, man, is Columbus even going to be able to retain him after the season? But him saying that kind of concurs to Karkalainen that they can work something out. They're going to pay him nicely because that's the big thing in Columbus, right? Columbus can't keep their stars. They always leave Panarin, Bobrovsky. They brought in Duchesne. He left. Uh, Rick Nash. He left. But if they can find a way to keep lining. And I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of the guys, whether it's Max Domi, uh, Felino's not there anymore, though there's rumors of him resigning after this year with Toronto. Um, but they've got some goaltenders. They've got some young defensemen in the works with Wrensky and Jones when they're healthy, when they're there. Um, you know, this is a, uh, it's a very interesting team. Because you look back and they've got young guys like Liam Foodie and Alexander Tetschier and... Right, they've got their goaltenders and Corpusello and Merzlikens, and like there's something here with this team. But this all kind of goes back to Patrick Lyon saying, "I want to stay here for sure." And him saying that, I think, is a mix of two things. One, I think he has a really good relationship with the general manager, which is huge. But two, he understands Tortorella is not there next year. The next coach that comes in is going to sit down with Yarmo Kekalainen and the big thing that they say that they can bring to the table that Tortorella couldn't they're still going to emphasize that defensive mind frame but they are going to find a way to utilize an untap Patrick Line into this offense they're going to make it more exciting they're going to make it dynamic look at the teams in the league right now 
outside of the New York Islanders. Think of the teams in the postseason. Carolina, Sebastian Ajo, Andre Svechnikov, right? Flashy guys doing the Michigan goal. Tampa Bay, Stamkos, Kucherov, Victor Hedman can still put points up like crazy. Braden Point, Washington, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie. Even Boston with their defensive mindset. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, all these offensive teams. Edmonton, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Toronto, Martyr Matthews, Tavares. You got to keep as great as you can be defensively. Because I think at some point in the postseason, defense just becomes a thing. But you need to be able to score. You need to be able to take your team over the edge. Think of this, for example. Why can't the New York Islanders get there? Why can't they just get past that point and break through? Because they lack the star power. You've got Matthew Barzell for sure. But then it's a bunch of hardworking, and by the way, I, I will take players like this on my team all day, but it's a lot of hardworking players that are very good, but they don't have that high-end elite skill that after a while, it gets exhausting playing that hard-nosed, defensive, take your chances when they're there and hopefully one or two go in mindset. And you just need a game breaker sometimes. And like I said, Islanders got one, but Barzell can't be the only guy. And even then you can find ways to shut him down. Like say, like McDavid's the greatest player in the world, but you've also got a secondary guy in Leon Dreisaitl who's second in the league in scoring. You need, you need multiple guys that can just, even if they're having a bad game, and this is the big thing with William Nylander in Toronto, right? Everyone, everyone abused his his hustle, his lack of commitment, his defense. But then you look at a game and he pick up three, four points in a game where he wasn't even that good. You need guys like that. You need players like that because the hustle, the the effort, it comes playoff time. That's it's it's a given. Once the playoffs hit, the intensity goes up. And you need game breakers to be able to separate yourself from your opponent who also has a lot of hardworking players. Anybody can work hard. Anybody can put effort in. But having that elite shot like Patrick Laine, not everyone in Columbus has that. So utilize that to your potential. Get him with a center because that's all all you need. This offseason, go get him a centerman that sets him up. Go find his Backstrom to his Ovechkin. No, I'm not comparing the two. But think of Ovechkin. Think about all the ru- think about all the memes and stuff that are posted online about Ovechkin just chilling out, right, in, in the left circle, shooting one-timers all day. Who's the guy that gets from the pucks outside of John Carlson on the power play? Nicholas Backstrom for all those years. And then it was Kuznetsov for a bit. Find that guy. Find the David Krejci. Find the Nicholas Backstrom. Find the setup man. Find the martyr to Matthews. Find the Shifley to Ehlers or Connor. Find that guy. It's a tall order. But there might be a guy or two. And they don't have to be spectacular. But just enough to set him up. To have the offensive mindset to set him up. Pay him what he wants, what he wants. Not crazy, but he'll probably make like six, seven million dollars. Set him up for the future, give him long-term stability, and find him a centerman. 
That's even all he wanted when he was in Winnipeg. Find him a centerman. Find, find him a centerman. Pay him. There's a team here. And it was big. And they've got $25 million in cap space. Columbus. They're projected to have about $25 million. So even if they sign line A, let's just say $7 million for the next six years. They will still have $18 million to work with. That is two bona fide stars or four or five really good players. It's big news in Columbus. That's a good day in Columbus. Trade one of your goaltenders. Team offers the moon for one of your goaltenders. Trade them. Go with one guy. Corpus Alomers, Leakins, whatever. They both fit the system. Path of defense a little bit more outside of, of, uh, of Wierenski Jones. Go get another forward or two or three. Doesn't matter. Go draft a high pick. Insert your younger guys. Bring some. There's, there's Bring in a star player at like eight million or nine, whatever. And then go sign two players at, at four or five. There you go. It's, it's a lot easier said than done, especially because it's Columbus. But it's very much attainable to get this team back into the playoff hunt in one year's time. Um, all right. Lastly here, uh, the NHL unveiled their finalists for the Masterson Trophy. So it's a formality every year. Every team submits a player to be you know, in the Masterson Trophy um, can it's like the Walter Payton uh, Man of the Year award in the NFL? Every team submits one guy, and then from those players, they find the uh, they pick the top three, and then they they go through all of the different things from which those players have overcome. Now, it's fairly obvious some of the guys here. So the Masterson Award is the player who exemplifies perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to the sport of hockey. Right, and, and there's a lot of spectacular names on this list. David Backus, who's been dealing with injury after injury, finally came back this year and played for, for the Ducks before announcing that it's probably going to be his last uh, last year. Um, Steven Stamkos, after last year's postseason run, still played a bunch this year. Vladimir Tarasenko off all the injuries and still coming back and helping St. Louis back into the postseason hunt. Patrick Marlowe for beating Gordy Howe's record and coming back to San Jose. Zach Dalpe returning to the NHL, which was incredible. Jordan Stahl's having a bounce back year. Phil Kessel's having a bounce back year. Mike Smith. But it's a one-horse race. It's probably going to be Oscar Lindbaum. Forward from the Philadelphia Flyers. Right? If you remember, last year was in the, was in the top three. Bobby, so, Bo, so here's an example. So Bobby Ryan last year, he won it as a member of the Ottawa Senators. He entered the player assistance program to help fight his battle with alcoholism, abuse, and 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 came up with like a documentary and a book and really deep stuff. He's overcome a heck of a whole lot. Played last year's first game back at a hat trick. Last year was up for debate, but you knew it was going to be between the two of them. Last year went to Bobby Ryan. This year, there's not another story that rivals what Oscar Lindbaum went through diagnosed with cancer, head shaved and all, was, I believe, away from the game of hockey for 18 months and comes back. Hair looks phenomenal, by the way, regardless if you have hair or not. But he looks good. He's happy. It's it's one of the, it was the best story in hockey this year. And I think anyone can attest to that. 
guy who battles cancer comes back for it. It's very similar to what, what Saku Koivu was able to do and Mario Lemieux and guys like that. Comes back. He, he announced earlier in December he was cancer-free and has actually was, was actually a huge part of the Philadelphia Flyers this season. And you just, you had to love it. Now there's, there's some controversy with, you know, the, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and them announcing Casey DeSmith was their finalist. Now, I believe it was back in 2014 or 2012. Casey DeSmith was involved in some sexual assault allegations with, with his girlfriend at the time. And they're getting some knocks from that because he quote unquote overcame that and, uh, Pittsburgh messed up on that one. It was the wrong call. I'm not, I don't even want to bring that up as a story because that's not worthy here considering what, what Limbaugh went through. But Limbaugh this year came back, played 50 games for the team, registered 8 goals and 14 assists. He's averaging over 13 minutes time on ice. The fact that he was even able to come back and play at all is mind-bottling. The fact that he came back and contributed double-digit points is on a whole other level. And he actually came back last year in the bubble. If you remember in the bubble last year, he came back for the playoffs and then played 50 games this season. So, I mean, the Madison Trophy nominees, every team gets one. It's going to go down to the final three. But let's be real here. This award's going to Oscar Limbaugh this year. He didn't win it last year. Bobby Ryan won it. And deservedly so. I know a couple of people are upset by it. But this year... It's going Oscar. Uh, and one more story I want to get to, uh, news and rumors here before we uh, finish off the podcast. Uh, Ray Ferraro and Brian Boucher have signed with ESPN Network as lead analysts. This was reported from uh, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. Uh, Ferraro is TSN's top color analyst in Canada. ESPN owns a minority stake in TSN, so it's unclear how it's going to affect uh, Ferraro's role with his current employer. But uh, he was an 18-year vet in the NHL. He had almost 900 points in over uh, 1,200 games. Um, Brian Boucher is currently a color analyst for NBC, which will no longer broadcast the NHL games. So he jumps over from NBC to ESPN and just continues on doing what he's doing. Now he's going to be a lead analyst. Uh, so good on both guys uh, getting positions there. It's it's a smart move bringing in a guy like Ray Farrar. If you don't know Ray Farrar on TSN, uh, like you said, one of the lead uh, color color commentators and not just TSN, but all of hockey. Uh, it's a great pickup for ESPN. If it affects TSN, it's going to be sad on my end, but listen, one country's loss is another country's gain. Apparently. So uh, for our best of luck to him, uh, he's going to crush it over there. And I'm sure that we will not be missing uh, Ray Ferraro. I'm, I'm sure we'll be seeing a whole lot of him even on the ESPN broadcasts. Uh, all right, that is it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Like I mentioned uh, at the beginning of it, I'm going to do what I can to try and focus like half an hour each and every day to upload episodes to YouTube. So bear with me on that. I know I've said it about a hundred times, but things are busy right now with writing articles to voicing commercials to have my own show and then doing this at the same time. It's it's a lot going on, but I want to stay as committed as possible. At ST Hockey Podcast, Instagram and Twitter, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, anchor.com slash the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. We'll see you Friday. All the matchups for the playoffs will be done by then. We'll break out, we'll break down the other two divisions and head into the postseason. Until then, enjoy. That's a wrap.